Hello and welcome to the Wabi Sabi series podcast, unlikely conversations on uncomfortable topics. I'm your host, Michelle Cox, a corporate exec turned author who has recently written a series of books about topics we don't often talk about. Things like death, grief, not having kids, and the unexplained power doctors often wield over us. Apparently, some of my books have made some people feel a little uncomfortable, but I felt that I wanted to have far more conversations around weird, wonderful, and sometimes taboo topics. So I reached out to some interesting people and asked them just one question. If there is one topic that you'd love society to talk more about, what would it be and why? And what they've shared with me has been amazing. So let's dive in and see where the conversation takes us. Can you imagine if we had a whole society like that where I felt so comfortable that I could just go down the street down there at a bus stop and start crying about something? If something bad happened, cry in public. Justin Jones, otherwise affectionately known as Jonesy, is Australia's preeminent explorer, keynote speaker, adventure thinker and storyteller. His expeditions have taken him to the very corners of the world. He's paddled a kayak from Australia to New Zealand, skied to the South Pole and back, and walked 1,800 kilometres across the Australian outback with his gorgeous wife Lauren and one-year-old daughter Morgan. Over the past 18 years, he's made a career of undertaking huge, epic, record-setting expeditions around the world and sharing these on the stage and screen. Justin currently holds two Guinness World Records and a place as one of Australia's 50 greatest explorers of all time. Some of his most notable expeditions have been captured on screen, crossing the ditch, crossing the ice and crossing the outback. I urge you to watch these if you haven't seen them already, as they are riveting journeys to follow and give you a real insight into the man himself, who you're about to hear more about. Justin and Lauren recently moved to Bruny Island from Sydney and to have a change of pace in life and do things a bit differently. He's a humble, charismatic and inspiring man. He's a loving husband and a beautiful dad, and I feel very privileged to call him my friend. He's an amazing keynote speaker, and despite the incredible things he's achieved in his life thus far, he's actually really low-key about it. He's the perfect example of how determination, detailed planning and foresight can enable us who feel we're a little bit ordinary, achieve some of the most extraordinary feats. I've been really looking forward to getting Justin on the podcast for so long. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Welcome to the podcast, Mr. Jones. Thank you for having me. This is going to be a blast, so I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, well, you and I are normally at the pub having um, good, solid conversations over a beer or a glass of Pinot, but yeah, it's a shame not to be in the same room. I feel bad. I mean, like, I'm in a hotel room, so I don't even have a beer. We can't have a virtual beer even, so apologies. Yeah, well, normally you're in Bruny Island, and we could have caught up when I'm down in Tassie, but next time. So. Next time, okay. All right, let's so. get stuck in, because I've got lots of questions for you. If there is one thing that you wish society would talk more about... What would it be? It's <laughs> it's going to sound like an odd topic, uh, and you get pretty deep with some of the other ones. But this one is that you know men cry too. <laughs> it's okay to cry if you're a guy, basically. 
That's what it okay is. Okay to cry. If you're a guy, I like it. I like it. So why is this a topic that is so important for you to talk about? It took me a long time to come to grips with this, actually. So I, I think society dictates the way that a, a man should act and operate. And there's a lot of peer pressure. The masculinity is synonymous with, you know, being tough exterior, you know, emotionless to a degree, and you can weather any storm and not show emotions. But in reality, my strengths are actually around the fact that I'm an emotional guy. You know, I, I do cry at the drop of a hat. You know, I, I have feel those feelings. I feel empathy. And I think a conversation around that, you know, I don't want to get into toxic mas masculinity and all that too much, but I think it's good for men to embrace and not a feminine side, but just a more empathetic, more open, more emotional side, basically. Mm, I like that. You should say, yeah, more emotional side because... You know, guys, if they class themselves blokey bloke, they would have resistance to saying, oh, I don't want to be more feminine, but actually just being more emotional and being connected with your emotions, I think is really important. What a beautiful topic. Especially in Australia, especially in yeah, Australia. Yeah, good point, good point. So, you know, you said about being emotional. Were you always emotional, like as a kid and stuff as well? Or is it something that you've kind of grown into later in life or maybe your beautiful daughters have been bringing that out in you or <laughs> they bring a lot of emotions up actually a lot good good and bad <laughs> they're gorgeously challenging little uh, munchkins i adore them beautiful but they're just such hard work but just in the most beautiful way but yeah so look i was always a fairly emotional kid you know growing up and i've got some really funny memories that have stuck so strong and true to me i can remember back when i was actually about five years old and i was in year one or kindergarten or something like that and and i had a fight with my best mate you know fight with the best, best mate over something and i scratched him on the face i scratched him on the face and quite badly he was bleeding on his face and i was like i don't know why i'm not well, like so really you really, I, I really him, scratched him. yeah I, my best mate it's called chris green and I, I scratched his face and he was he was bleeding on the face and he just looked so shocked and i just burst into tears that I had done that to him. I was the aggressor in that situation, in that little conflict. And I just started blubbing. And it's really strange. I remember, I think the teacher said to me, I'm trying to remember her name, it's probably not important, but she she said, I'm like, why are you crying? You're the one that did this to him. <laughs> You've heard him. Like, why are you crying? And I felt so bad. I felt like this this huge surge of emotion, of energy, of empathy, of guilt, of all sorts of things. And it was it was a strange thing for me. So yeah, I've always felt a lot of emotions. And then I think there was a massive turning point because I grew up in Indonesia. I lived there for 11 years. I'm half Chinese, Indonesian, half Australian. And the first 11 years in Indonesia, then went to boarding school, year seven in Australia. And to a very rural boarding situation, predominantly rural background. And tough tough kids you know all of a sudden being the emotional guy it's not a way to win friends and uh influence people in in a boarding school like that i really started to develop a bit of a shell around that period of time of, of how i needed to act in order to fit in and i think that's half the problem it's this desire to fit in to fit the mold of what society dictates is a man in this case or whatever it may be so you're probably the, one of the most adventurous crazy ass people i know in that world like all the phenomenal things you've done in your life they're pretty scary incredible 
feats of like really testing yourself from a physical level. And I mean, you know, you've how many movies have you created about your adventures? Was it three? Three, actually, no, four. Four. There was one which four. was a Nat Geo special I produced as well. Yeah. So, and it shows the rawness, right? And the emotion of pushing your body to that limit and that vulnerability, which, you know, endears us to you even more. Has that been part of your journey with this about kind of coming into your own emotion and being comfortable with it, especially publicly when you're kind of doing these films and being a blubbering mess in front of the camera when you're like in the snow in Antarctica and something goes wrong on an adventure? Talk to me about that. It's an interesting one because I didn't go out there with a thought that I had to go create these documentaries and be vulnerable and emotional. Although I have now learned that you need to. If you want to make an amazing documentary that is an observational documentary, you can't have characters that put up walls. You've got to be an open book. Otherwise, the audience doesn't buy in, yada, yada, yada. So... The first documentary I ever made was on a little paddle I did from Australia to New Zealand. Me and a mate, James Constrician. <laughs> a little paddle. A little, little, yeah, a little, a little paddle. How so many kilometres? Uh, in a straight line, 2,200, but we, we paddled and it took about 3,318 k, so a little bit longer again. Did a bit of a circle got, in the middle. You got stuck yeah. in the circle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so there was a lot of emotion in that period of time, that little circle. So it's an interesting thing because uh, initially... Cass and I went out there to film what was going on as, as a memento, as a record for us. There was no idea that we'd make a documentary. So it's a memento for us to have from this expedition. And it also became like a third person on this expedition. And it was called Mr. Camera. Now, Mr. Camera was a person you could bitch and whinge to about the other person sometimes, about how you were feeling. And there was no judgment. Mr. Camera doesn't talk back. Mr. Camera just listens. He's the best listener in the world. And so you could just pour out your emotion to the camera. Wow, I didn't know. I yeah. didn't know that's how you did that. That it actually makes sense having watched it of how the footage yeah, like that's really interesting. Wow. We had a rule on the kayak and the kayak was that when someone was talking to Mr. Camera, you couldn't interrupt them. And so the biggest fight actually we had on the entire trip was when I was pouring out my feelings to the camera and they were relating to Cass, my mate, and he butted in. And started jumping and go, actually, no, that's not the case. Rah, rah, rah. And I flipped. I was like, I'm talking to Miss They're like, this is, this is our conversation. You stay out of this. Like, you know, this is, I don't interrupt you. I got really, I was violent because like, this is my time talking to Mr. Camera. This is why you're literally in like your, what is, what is it? One meter, not even yeah. away oh, no, from yeah. each other. He's, yeah. he's a meter he's away from On the back. <laughs> so you, you and know. he can hear everything you're saying and you're pretending he's not even there. A hundred percent. You know they can yeah, hear. Wow, it's, what it's, a the, weird concept. I mean, it's a strange concept, but it's a coping mechanism and it's also a way to actually let the other person know of something they're doing that's ticking you off without directly telling them because they're they're an eavesdropper on private conversation now the funny thing about being emotional on camera is that emotions don't help when you're on an expedition because i'm a really up and down emotional bloke but when i'm focused on an expedition it's like the ups and the downs just get compressed into more of a baseline level because i honestly believe that you need to because if you want to process risk, you want to process what's actually going on, you need to remove, devoid yourself from yeah, you emotions. Can't be emotion. Exactly. You got to just bring in knowledge, bring in information. All right, these are all the parameters that's, that's going. Don't let it don't let it overwhelm you. And then you've got to take action. Then once you're in a safe space, then you can let the emotions out. 
So there's a lot of compartmentalization that happens. Yeah. It's just not dissimilar to when, you know, like I'm in crisis management, so running companies and stuff, you just get very focused. It's like I used to explain it to people like, you know, you've got a, a wide lens camera and as a CEO, you're running lots of things with the businesses and lots of different things can go wrong and you're kind of watching, overarching all these different elements. But as soon as a crisis hits, you zoom right into that particular thing and nothing else matters. So it's like you're kind of compressing everything. That's fascinating from an emotional point as well. But it makes sense to me. Yeah. One thing I will say about an expedition is like you, you do have that narrow focus so you can focus on the problem, but you also need to be taking in the other input parameters because other things could be going on that could cause a lot of stress and strife for I you. I really like the video concept. I kind of wonder whether you could bring that into life, like in terms of your marriage. <laughs> I mean, a little, uh, what do they do? Those little videos, you know, reality TV or whatever. Oh, you're talking <laughs> about the Big, bro- the big Brother could- Room. <laughs> Yeah, like you can actually do that in your marriage going, well, today you did this and you only maybe, I don't know, you watch it once a week, I don't know, once a month, that could be quite helpful. It's actually, even if the other person wasn't privy to what that conversation was, it actually does help because half the time when you're enunciating or you're saying you're saying what your issue is with another person, you realise especially, and this is especially a male thing, I think more than for females, there's a lot of ego wrapped up in men. And that's what I don't click with. I don't, I don't like that sort of really masculine, hyper-masculine dick measuring energy. It's just not the thing I do. So you get into an argument, a conversation, and you start telling something negative to a person about what they're doing that's ticking you off. And as you're delivering it, you realize the issues on your side of the fence, but you've started the process, so you cannot back down. So as a guy, you push harder and then you're even more forceful and it's it's a really negative way. So if you're able to voice what your issue is and no one hears, then half the time as you're delivering, you're like, oh, actually it's my, it's my issue. I think Absolutely. a lot of people should do that, yeah. Yeah, it's really good just that, yeah, speaking out loud because we do sit in our heads all the time. It's a bit like when you're trying to work through an issue and it's better to write it down, isn't it? Because it's like formulating getting it out of your head because you go round and round and round circles. Well, I know I do, so <laughs> it's always helpful, but oh, that's great. Please, Michelle, lie on the couch and tell us your issues. We'll, we'll dive into your psyche. And I've got many. Come on, you should know that by now. <laughs> We've just, uh, I'm taking it all out on clay these days. It's great. I know. It's, it's awesome. That's a fascinating insight that you're sharing with us there around the expedition kind of component in terms of your work and what you do and how you've been able to bring emotion in that and control it as well. To most normal humans, like that none of us get to do big expeditions like you many of us don't how do you then you know be okay around your emotional you know in touch with your emotional side from a day-to-day level and for those that work in like a corporate sense listening to you today like what, what sort of tips would you have for them or thoughts on being okay to cry as your whole premise is on a day-to-day basis like there's a tendency to try and mute our emotional response to certain situations and, and your emotions are a really good thing because your emotions are around you know whether people believe it or not the gut feel side of things your emotions are telling you something that's going on in a situation sometimes that something's happening that's making you feel a certain way and it might be because whatever the situation is is counter to what your morals are or, or what you feel. So it's a way of telling you that something's wrong. Like a flag's going off in some way. A flag is yeah. going off. I mean, like, and you can get sad over, you know, obviously someone dying, this, that, the other, all that sort of stuff. That's a, that, that's a really sad thing. But your emotions tell you, they're little cues that something is amiss. And so you should really listen to them. And also you need to build empathy with people. So if you are going to 
stonewall people out, be psychotic, be a sociopath, and not, not actually feel another person's pain or emotions, like you're not gonna build any friends. You're not gonna inspire a group of people to actually want to be around you to be able to work. I think vulnerability is a really key and important thing. It shows that you're human. I don't want to follow a person or be friends with a person that's an emotionless rock. I want to see a person that I can talk to, that I can get input and feedback. You know, conversations, we're talking. That's why I think Botox is a very interesting thing. The natural dampening down of expressiveness is a negative thing because we're human beings. We communicate with so many things other than just our voices. My face reacts to yours, how I look into your eyes, all that sort of stuff. So that's why Zoom's so funny. And if you're, you need that, you need to be able to trust people. Vulnerability leads to trust and trust is the currency of this day and age, especially in the digital world when you're not actually with people. Yeah, it's true. Do you have any mates that disagree with you and think that it's not okay for guys to cry? Look, I've got mates that come from the very sort of Australian sort of, uh, the Australian bloke category. And I, I shouldn't say that because what it is, is that? oh, she'll that be right, you. mate, you know, that kind of thing, you know. And don't get me wrong, it's great. There's people that are unflappable, you know, anything crops up, it's not a problem. But you don't get emotion out when, when it's a bad situation, but you don't really so get it out when it's like positive. they're emotionally inept. Is that what you're alluding to? Like a typical Aussie blokey bloke is emotionally inept? He's like you on expedition all the time. Is that? Yes and no. I mean, there's a dampening down of all the, the feminine emotions. Hugging, for example. A traditional Aussie bloke, you're going for a hug and they're like, whoa, what are you doing, mate? You know. What are you, gay? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's that whole thing because like there's this, this hyper masculinity around, you know, you know, to show that I'm a man, I can't have emotions to other men. I can't have this. And, and these barriers are breaking down. There's this penis measuring that goes on with this particular Aussie man where it's like, all right, someone's coming in. It's a different bloke to our clique. How do we, you know, get the measure of the guy? Let's originally be standoffish to him and make him prove his worth. And having done what I've done, it's quite interesting because, you know, if people have known about some of my expeditions, there's there's an element where that door's cracked open for me, but I don't like to talk about it. I, I know I'm on stage all the time talking about my expeditions and lessons I've learned from them, but I don't like talking about it. I don't like you know big noting myself and so some people go well what do you do i'll be like oh i'm in finance you know <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll just well, say that new that. haircut you've got they yeah. might believe you oh yeah actually <laughs> that's the most corporate haircut i've ever seen you have sorry listeners but he's looking pretty sharp it was super long below my <laughs> he shoulders he has a pigtail it's like this you know back short back and sides looking very handsome if you have a topic burning inside you that you'd love to talk more about and have a conversation with me i'd love to hear from you so drop me a line at hello at wabisabiseries.com. Let's head back to the chat. I want to get back to some of the lessons that you've learned from your expeditions that you talk about on stage. Can you give me a couple of those real quick? Because I can't oh, let God. you just say that in passing and not ask that question. So many cliches. You know, I'll try to pick one for me, sort of different expedition. You know, preparation and planning is, is a huge thing. The execution of anything. So if you've got a plan, a project, you know, an expedition... You plan to succeed or you plan to fail, it's up to you. It's 90% preparation, 10% execution. That 10%, extremely hard, don't get me wrong, but you've got to do all that legging work. Otherwise, if you get through something on the fly, you are just super lucky. That's all you are, should buy a lottery ticket. The next thing is around, I think we should all lean into discomfort because discomfort is, is a really positive thing. It's only when you push the boundaries of these little boxes that we all live in is that's actually where you find out one, where your boundaries are and two, how much and how flexible they are. And each time you do it, 
the box moves a little bit further and further. I love that. So true. I love also, this is a word for everyone, and I'm going to guarantee that most people wouldn't have heard this word, hormesis. Say it again. Hormesis. Hormesis. Yeah, H-O-R-M-E-S-I-S. Hormesis is actually a scientific word. By training, I'm actually a scientist. I'm a physiologist. And, and hormesis is basically if you get a cell or an organism and you apply to it a stressor, so generally a low-level toxin or something at a high dose which would kill it, it actually at a low dose makes that organism stronger. Same with humans and same within the mind and in the body. So exercise is a hormetic event. It is something that you grow from. You're stressing your muscles out. They grow in response and get stronger. Your mind, if you push yourself hard in a certain situation, like even a hard workout you know, where you go to a mental dark place, you don't go off and run a marathon off the bat. You build up to it. You push in your boundaries of your mind and you're growing from it. Jumping in a sauna, heat shock proteins, all that sort of stuff, that's a hormetic event. So it's about stressing your body in a safe manner, in a low dosage, because if you pushed it too hard, it is bad. And it actually helps you grow as a human, grow mentally, grow physically. So I think people should realize that, that stress actually is a really good thing. And a lot of people are like, oh no, I'm so stressed at work, it's terrible. Stress is great because when you're stressed, your immune system is rock solid, you're fight or flight, you're almost vulnerable in it to a degree. When you come off that stress, when you go on a holiday, that's why you collapse. That, that stress is gone and so all of a sudden your parasympathetic system kicks in and it's like, all right, we can relax and then you just get sick. So true. Every bloody time. <laughs> <laughs> Every bloody time. It's like, I just want a pina colada on the beach. That's what I want. And like you just hold up in your hotel room. So that, that's another one. Hormesis is a concept I love and, and leaning discomfort. And the last lesson I will share, there's so many more, is that as adults in particular, I think we have gotten too comfortable with the status quo and we don't challenge normal. We don't challenge the concept of normal. So we've fallen to a rut. We've learned what society has dictated to us is the way that we are meant to operate as human beings. And we accept that. The person who taught me this was actually Morgan, my daughter. We walked across the outback. That's the expedition we did was we walked 1,800 kilometers across the outback over 102 days when Morgan was 15 months old. And to see her adapt to doing a very abnormal thing, you know, living on the land, on the country and stepping, learning how to walk, you know, when you've got massive thorns, sleeping in a tent and temperatures from minus two degrees to 42 degrees, very abnormal for a city kid. And yet she adapted so quick to it. It was, it was really normal to her. It, normal for her was just what mum and dad were doing and what she was doing on a daily basis. I think adults, we forget that. So I think we should shake up what normal means, challenge normal and go, you know what, what is the path that I would take if I didn't listen to other people's expectations or I didn't listen to what society dictates that I should do as a human? I think we're always seeking approval from other people and don't get me wrong, it's led to great things, seeking approval from other people, but I think if you can motivate yourself internally, I think it's, it's a much more powerful thing powerful place to be. So you're talking my language. I mean, it's the whole reason I started, you know, the books and this whole premise is to step into a life that I loved more and that I, you know, have always done things a bit differently, but kind of a bit on the side, you know, like just never really conformed, but not sort of really shouted about it or, you know, just kind of conformed in other ways. Then this was sort of my stake in the ground saying, that's it. I just, I want to live like how I want to do it. And I want to stop being beholden to others. So it's a, you know, such a beautiful thing. And I think 
that whole point that you, in the example you just gave then about Morgan, you know, and little kids, the way they do it. It's something that I sort of try and encourage everyone. Take a more playful approach to stuff, especially if you're learning something new, to stop sort of giving yourself a hard time and thinking, well, I've got to be perfect at this, but forgetting it took us weeks, months, sometimes years to walk. And, you know, we fell over 50 million times, but that's okay. Like all the different things that we learn as kids and we have no expectation and are so kind on ourselves in some sense because we've literally just got this playful learning mindset that we know we're never going to be good at it because we've never tried it before. And if we put that into a business sense and our life as adults, it would be such a game changer and people wouldn't be as afraid to fail or be so hard on themselves or hard on each other, right? That failure one's a very interesting thing. I want to pull on that thread for a little bit because I think it's very different where you are in the world as well. And in Australia, if you fail at a business, then it's a black mark against your name. Whereas it's funny in America, if you're an entrepreneur and you fail and then, you know, fail, 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 and you finally do it, it's seen as you're on the path. It's seen as a positive. Like a stepping stone almost, you know, like little apprenticeships through business, even though you've lost a shitload of money and owe heaps of people. (laughs) Exactly. I think failure is an interesting word because we need to reframe that word. And and this is something that Laura and I were using in the Outback a lot. It's not failure. It's actually gathering information. That's all you're doing. You're gathering information. It's not failure. It's gathering information. It's very true. Yeah. And getting feedback. 100%. Feedback is probably the most important thing you can get. I mean, there's no point in doing a good job if no one ever can, if you don't know and you need actually input from other people. If you don't get the feedback, then what's the point? You're like, oh, well, I don't know where I, where I scale, where I sit on the scale. Another amazing one that just jumped to mind that was a huge thing from the outback was Lauren and I, because I've done multiple expeditions and then Lauren, that was her first expedition walking across the outback with Morgan. She... At times we'd get overwhelmed by the situation. And she'd say to me, uh, you know, Justin, X, Y, Z, because of this, you know, I'm scared. And I'm like, don't be afraid, just be aware. The unknown's a funny thing. The unknown tricks your mind. And like when, when you have factors or vectors that you don't know about, or, you know, inputs that are hazy, then you can fall into fear. Whereas fear is a fantastic thing. Fear is brilliant. Fear keeps you sharp. Fear keeps you honest. Fear keeps you safe. And what it does, it should heighten your awareness of a situation. You're gathering intel, you're gathering inputs. So don't be afraid. Be aware. Be aware of what's going on. Why is my body feeling this way? And that's where I think being in touch with your emotions is a really good thing. Not letting them overwhelm you, but just being in touch with them. Now, don't get me wrong. I'll sit down and have a really good cry every now and then. I'll watch a film, a Disney film or a Pixar film, and I'll just start blubbing. This is one turbo, the snail. His shell got broken. I'm blubbing. I'm crying, like seeing a plane watching this thing on a flight flight from China. And how do people react to you? How do people react when you're, you're sitting there and... Yeah, you're outwardly pouring, blubbering like that, like because it's not a normal scene that we would see all the time. It's beautiful to me. I'd, if I'd seen you on a plane, I'd be like, oh. Wow. I don't know. I think with society, I think when you see someone cry, it's generally seen as something really bad or negative has happened. And I think a big turning point for me was actually crying from joy for the first time and feeling that. And that is... Oh man, if I could go back to that place to be crying with, like I'm starting because I'm thinking about an event. I'm starting to cry what now. What you share that? What is it? <laughs> Look at you! You're, yeah, yeah. you're going to make me cry. No, no, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to do this. I'm actually not trying to do this. I'm thinking of coming into New Zealand and, and seeing this crowd of twenty five thousand people down the beach and jumping off that kayak and feeling that joy of realizing we'd accomplished a goal of three and a half years in paddling a kayak across that. And I'm also feeling that there was one night in particular, I remember on on day four of that trip where we were paddling 
and we were at risk of getting swept up into this current pattern that went up to Lord Howe Island, so off out, you know, the wrong way. And we had to do this like 48-hour push and paddling by myself at night. We paddled, you know, from 7 o'clock till 7 p.m. And then I took the next shift till 2 a.m. And I was out there by myself. Waves were crashing over me. There was no moon. There's just stars were out there. And it was just this feeling of like everything was right. Like I was on earth doing what I was meant to be doing at that point in time. And I've been chasing that feeling. It's a feeling of just, I don't know if it's flow state. I don't know what if it, what, what it was. But it was just like every part of me is moving towards the same thing. And it's what I'm meant to be doing. And like that feeling is fucking unreal. Like it's, yeah, I'm, I'm crying. <laughs> you I'm, are. I'm, you're cry- you're going to make me cry again. <laughs> That's beautiful. But you were there then. That was, you were back there. That's so lovely. Well, this is very appropriate because you said it's okay. You know, men cry too. And here you are, darling. That's fabulous. But then I, I get shy about it. And I get upset. And I'm like, oh God, I'm like, people are going to see this. What? So you're embarrassed about. So this is it. This is what we're trying to break up. This is huh? the patterning. This is the patterning. You're taught it's, it's a bad thing to cry. So what is shame? Is that what? Tell me what you're feeling though. Is it? To be seen as weak, to be perceived as weak. And so that's what the thing for me is realizing that my emotions are my armor. You know, it's actually not a chink in my armor. They're actually part of my armor. But it's not even an armor. It's endearment. That's why I love you. Because, you, you know, when we first met, you're so beautiful. And then I met your wife. I'm like, oh, my God, she's just as She's amazing. even better. <laughs> yeah. But it's the fact that you are in touch with those emotions, Justin, is, you know, you're such a caring, loving, phenomenal person. And to do the stuff you do in your day job of being this phenomenal adventurer and then to bring in that element of care and love and emotion and vulnerability is really special. It's really special and it makes you incredibly unique. And so please don't stop doing that. No, I, I'm not going to. I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting one. It's taken me a lot of work to realize sort of like what has formed me to be the person I am today. And expeditions are great for that because it gives you so much time to think and under different situations where you're really stressed out. So if anyone wants to know themselves, go on an expedition. But what I'm seeing now, and this is something I'm going to share that I, I'm very unhappy with myself about and I, I get emotional from a really sad point is sometimes I really battle with my daughter Morgan. Like, cause we're very, very similar characters. So similar, we butt heads and we, we antagonize each other to a degree. But I am teaching her some of the things that I don't want her to learn. Some of the things that I've learned from, from society that to a degree I'm teaching her, you know, shame around certain things by the way that I react. And so having kids has been such a hard thing for me because you realize that you're responsible for creating and raising this human being and then because you're going to let them go free in society one day and so it's about not trying to fuck them up and for me it's not imparting the negative lessons that I've learned and so I'll be you know sharp with her on xyz because I'm trying to teach her and it's not the right approach because I'm teaching her you know things like shame you know around certain things it's just for my mannerisms and my language and I'm like shit I'm doing what society has done to me to her and so like I'm like right I've got to fix that up and I've got to try and how do I not just use love because love is fantastic but you've also had to have rules and boundaries because kids are smarter than you think and they will break and manipulate you so it's been a learning curve for me so I'm trying to get through that and being an emotional guy I can get you know hot tempered at times you can (laughs) I love it I think the fact that you're so conscious of it and you're aware of it I think is part of the battle right and she's very lucky very lucky to have you guys as parents she's a beautiful kid and um I love kids with spirit like that they remind me of me when I was a kid so uh, you know you were the same We're, we're all good humans so beautiful to chat to you today and the fact that you were willing to share such a 
you know, a vulnerable topic. It's good. It's good for people to hear that because I couldn't agree with you more. Dennis, you know, my husband now, you know, we've been together 20 years and he cried in the first week. I kind of, we were together and I was like, wait, what? What's going on with you? Because I'd never really seen that. But I was like, it was so beautiful because he was just completely comfortable to be himself around me and he's never changed. And the fact that we can be ourselves makes such a difference, huh? We have that beautiful connection with others. Can you imagine if we had a whole society like that where I felt so comfortable that I could just go down the street down there at a bus stop and start crying about something. If something bad happened, cry in public, you know? And it's a funny thing because we're not at that stage. So we can't be our true selves. We will always wear some sort of armor. I mean, there's an element around that emotional release, but there's a lot to be said around the physical release as well of, you know, when they say it's good to have a good cry every now and then because we pent up and, you know, physically we hold all that emotion. People hold it in different places, some in their chest, some in their gut. You know, there's all these kind of research things coming out now where pain and emotions held in people's bodies. And crying can actually really release that and, you know, help you feel better. If you can't release it and you don't know how, watch a bloody sad movie or something to help, you know, bust that dam open. I know we're wrapping up, but I remember I actually dated a girl for a while and she had a really hard life. Yeah, I'm not going to go into the details, but I remember sitting down and she was like so stonewalled about so many things. Like she wrapped it up in concrete. And we went off and watched Charlotte's Web, the movie. And I've never seen anyone break down like she did. It was a beautiful thing. And I'm like, all I did was just give her a hug, you know. Like, I shouldn't end it on that. No, that's really Good terrible. Good to think about. Oh, it's <laughs> all about crying. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's all about crying. Yeah. So how would someone encourage a man in their life, whether that's their partner, their brother, their dad, a business partner, how would you encourage them to hold space for them to be able to allow them to share their emotions more or to literally just to cry. I think one of the most toxic things we could do to young kids, in particular young boys, is, is say boys don't cry. Yeah, and I, I hate that phrase. Hey, can you stop crying? You know, you're invalidating the feelings that that person, and that's a lesson to myself because sometimes Morgan's crying over something I think is irrational and I'll start saying that. I'm like, oh shit, no, pull back. It's okay to cry. It's okay. Feel your emotions. You know, that's okay. And I think we've got to start when we're young because when you're older, it's hard to break out of those patterns. So if we can help the next generation, that's good. I love Are You Okay Day. I think that's a fantastic thing. Just a proper ask of someone how they're doing means so much. So check in with people around you. And if you are seeing someone battling, you know, <laughs> truly ask truly ask and I'm a hugger some people aren't so respect people's boundaries respect people's privacy and, and personal space but there's something that's really beautiful about you know just going hey do you need a hug I need one of your hugs you're the <laughs> oh. best hugger ever oh virtual right, hug so hopefully I'll get to see you soon but what a beautiful conversation thank you does it was so lovely to chat to you today no I really appreciate it and this is awesome what you're doing so keep going mm, thanks son see you soon If you'd like to learn more about today's guest, you'll find all the show notes and interesting links on our website, wabisabiseries.com. If you'd like to hear more unexpected conversations, please subscribe to the series, follow us on our socials, or grab one of my books. And if you're in a generous mood, I'd love you to share the episode, or maybe even rate, review, and comment on the series. It really does make a difference. Until next time, be sure to claim your own piece of wabi-sabi and walk proud in your perfect imperfection.